Welcome to People in Exile, where we have conversations, host interviews, discuss books, and engage with the Bible to help believers live out their faith in an unbelieving world. Welcome to this episode of People in Exile. I am your host for this episode, Chris Chambers, and I am joined with... Me. Me. Who is me? Andrew Chamberlain. Andrew Chamberlain. Actually, Andrew Chamberlain. Actually, come oh, Andrew. I forget about that. And, and the Ben Ellis. The Ben Ellis. And... Uh, so we are excited uh, to write with a Mont Blanc pen. <laughs> I do. I do like my pen. <laughs> that is a legit pen. That man. is a legit pen. Yeah. yeah a, you, gift, a gift from your father. Gift from my dad. Yeah. yeah. He was awesome. Do you Absolutely. have to take with you your own inkwell? I, I don't have to take one with me, but I do have one. So, like, how long can you write before you have to put? I, I don't know. Okay. I, I would imagine um, uh, it's fairly big barrel. And uh, it, most of it is is actually actually is ink container. So I would imagine for a while, okay. I'll, I'll find out. I'll find. I'll let you know. Coming attractions, Ben Ellis. <laughs> so how long I can write with a Montblanc ink pen? I did want to mention we ha- we did uh, give away a book uh, last uh, time, and it was for uh, yeah. Uh, we are recording. <laughs> and uh, do we want to start over? No, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Just seemed like a very sterile start for us. Just kind of. <laughs> Hey, let's start. Let's let's set the bar very very low, and then we can only get better from there, right? Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> There's no guarantee. Uh, we'll see. It is a Monday morning, right? <laughs> yeah, the kid the kids are off school this week. Oh gosh. So yeah, focus is low right now. Oh boys. Um, Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> so this is what we got. Last week we gave away a book to uh, Tom Gableman. Uh, we gave him a copy of John Stott's uh, commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we, we appreciate that. And then uh, also I wanted to mention that Keith Muller, Keith Muller, we're going to go ahead and give him a copy of uh, of one of the books as well. And uh, he actually did comment on the uh, list five words, right, five key words to describe nice, Jesus. Nice, yes. nice, nice. What, what, what was it, Andrew? I'm trying to remember. All I remember is you made fun of me on there. <laughs> so I was like, well, he said, "He said, here's just five uh, words. Thank it you. It just can't be done. Oh, that's it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Good job, Keith. Good. I, still, I still think uh, I have it right here. I am that I am. <laughs> He's actually having a monogram about towels. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Merry Christmas, man. <laughs> Um, so, and, and also I, I did point to a Joel Osteen, uh, book, not, not recommending you go buy it necessarily. But we are giving one away. Well, no, but it is called the power of I am is what it was. Not the great I am. Uh, so I just right. wanted to, to clarify that. Well, right. way to go, Keith. Thank you. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get together with Keith and, uh, and get him a copy. And same thing for anybody else. If you're looking for, if you'd like a, uh, to be in the running for a copy of a free book of one of these, uh, books that we're, we're talking about or the sermon that we're talking about. Uh, we have John Stott, we have D.A. Carson, and we have uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And we definitely promise it will not be Joe Osteen. Yes, that's true. Without a doubt. <laughs> and Andrew is, uh, is uh, suspiciously silent. Um, <laughs> and drinking coffee said no words will come out of his mouth at this point. So we will continue going at this, at this point. Um, all right, so... We were kind of thinking through what did we want to do to kind of get us uh, started this morning. Uh, again, the next episode that we'll record will be uh, back to the Sermon on the Mount, um, but we wanted to do something a little bit different. Last uh, last uh, week, what we did was uh, talk through the five key words to mm-hmm. describe Jesus, and uh, so we were thinking through, I know Ben, you had mentioned possibility of doing 
um, uh, talking through some different worldview type of uh, type of ideas. Yeah, just, just briefly describe kind of what you're what you're ta- talking or thinking about there. So, so a worldview, uh, probably the easiest way to describe a worldview is understanding that a worldview is the lens through which we see the world, right? So, when people think about, you know, the easiest way to think about it is sunglasses, right? If you're wearing, if you're just looking at the world and then you put on a pair of sunglasses, it tints everything in the world. Right, and if those sunglasses are red, everything begins to have a red tint. If they're blue, everything has a blue tint. A worldview is very much the same way. It, it's an interpretive lens of how we think about uh, the world around us, and, and some of the ways that that changes uh, how we interact uh, with the world. Uh, not only because of some of the things we think, but also because of some of the commitments that we hold. Uh, for example, a Christian worldview would have as part of it, right? We begin to see the world through the lens of the Bible because we believe in scriptural authority. We believe in uh, proclaimed, objective, real statements about right and wrong and, and the nature of the universe. <coughs> so, th- yeah, okay, so this, this idea, let's kind of talk through that uh, for a few minutes. So this idea of worldview, from a sure. Christian standpoint, right, I, I listen to Dr. Um, Al Mohler, right? Absolutely, yeah. uh, Regularly, and he talks about the idea, in fact, I think it might <coughs> even be his introduction to the briefing, uh, which is his... Mm-hmm. Uh, his particular, uh, you know, one of his podcasts, and, and he talks about the idea of, of uh, you know, how Christians can look at, at modern events or, or you know, current yeah. news from mm-hmm. a Christian worldview. Absolutely, right? that's exactly it. And so, um, what, what, and again, we like you mentioned, objectively, uh, mm-hmm. objective truth, absolute truth. Uh, yeah. We have a we have a set standard. Uh, it's not moving. It doesn't change. Correct. It's the same today. It'll be the same tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the same, you know, thousand years ago. Um, and so looking at it from that lens, regardless of how society changes, regardless of how culture changes, regardless of, you know, what norms uh, go out and what norms come in and what norms will be, uh, the worldview in which we are looking at things uh, will always stay the same. But on the flip side of that, what does that also mean? It also means that if we if we are coming at it from with a different worldview, a different perspective, Correct. Um, then it's, al- it's always going to be changing. Yeah, like one of the prominent worldview issues in, in American culture right now is is that we're moving, have moved more towards a relativistic perspective mm-hmm. of, of truth and of reality. So like what you believe is true can be different from what I believe is true. And both of those are equally true because they're true to us as opposed to actually true in regards to some, and to use the words you used earlier, some objective standard, Mm -hmm. some standard that exists independently of either one of us. Well, I'll add two cents to that. That bends dead on there. That's happening, has happened, is happening. Uh, But, but what's interesting even in that is that that worldview is starting to eat itself Mm -hmm. because what people are finding out is they cannot, they may they may practice that in theory, but it will not happen in in, in actual. So it, there's a lot of, you know, I don't mean that to you know, hey, this, ha 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 on them by no means. But at the same time, it's like you can't really hold that, and it's we're seeing it now. As an example, you're having certain groups of people that I'll I'll just say one used to we would view some of the feminist movement as more of a liberal left movement, but we're actually starting to see them come against some people in the trans community because they're having to fight because they're saying they're wiping out what true feminist, uh, true, uh, true fi- feminism is. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, mm-hmm. and I don't say that as a, you know, again, as a knock, I just mm-hmm. said, it's, it's interesting because what we're seeing is that people can't hold that true to me, true to you 
Yeah, to to the the, leading into that for a moment. So one of the things mm -hmm. I, was, I was thinking through or listening to the other day was uh, the, this, the, the, the transgender movement and, and they're kind of using what Title IX really as a way to, uh, to compete, right, uh, with uh, a man, right, who, who, who believes Talking himself. Talking about like sports. For, yeah, 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 for those of us who believe, don't know what Title IX is, what is that, just real quick? Well, it just says that, uh, that all uh, – um, in, in college sports in particular, right? Everybody has to have the same of, access to scholarships right, regardless right. of the sport. And so, so if, if you have a male program like football, well, you have to, you have to uh, you have, offset that with some other some – other So if you have 25 male scholarships to football, you have to have 25 female to some sport. Yeah, and so um, – so anyhow, the, the idea there with, with the transgender movement is if you're a, a, a man, born male, right, uh, uh, but believe yourself to be female, maybe even gone through the transition uh, uh, to being female, and now you're competing with other females who are born female, uh, right, there, that's where, Andrew, you were saying there's running into kind of an issue uh, with, with each other because, like, wait a minute, this, this is a female sport. Now you have a, a, a born male competing. And a thought that I had is, you know, back when, when I think we have a case like that going to the it, Supreme I, Court. I wouldn't doubt it. And and one of the, uh, if you think back to it's like when, a girls' track case up in the Northeast or something, mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah, when when, when you were think when you're thinking back to you know Title IX when it was first being uh, being implemented, uh, and what they did is they 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 would set out. All right, well, we have a men's tennis team. We're going to have a you know a women's tennis team. We have a, a men's track team. We're going to have a women's track team. So on and so forth. And the thought crossed my mind is, I mean, could we not do the same thing uh, with with the transgender movement instead of having uh, a born male now living as a woman competing with women why don't you just have a transgender right you know what i mean uh that where, where that's there they're competing together the only uh, the only challenge is so title nine this is it's an interesting way we're going but that's, this is all over the place man. yeah that's fine so title nine the challenge with that though is so you take like um, a, a university that is really good at football so let's say the florida gators having a great year right that's a revenue driving sport Mm -hmm. Their men's basketball mm -hmm. is a revenue driving sport. Yeah, absolutely. Outside of that, they probably do not have a revenue driving sport. There's usually two sports, maybe if you're lucky, three uh, that drive revenue. So what happens is, so that's one of the un. This is a Title IX conversation, but this is one of the unintended consequences of Title IX, is that you have you have this equal access, but it's actually created a financial burden mm -hmm. in some of these universities, and you're seeing it right now specifically in COVID. Because if you you know football is the money maker for most of these schools, not just for their athletic department, but I know I'm a Tennessee fan. I know that the football team at the University of Tennessee actually donates a lot of their money back to the university for their own academic programs. So when you create more Title IX situations, you're I, I would think that one of the pushbacks, forget the gender stuff, mm -hmm. would be from the financial mm -hmm. because like they got to have the, you know, you, you're you would be asking an athletic department to potentially add. At least four. 20 more teams. Yeah. Yeah. 20 yeah. more teams that might not drive revenue, yeah. that just take money. It'll be. I understand. I'm just thinking from an equity standpoint. Uh, I mean, I don't know if there'd be a whole lot of argument at that point. Well, you know, if you're born male uh, and, and you're now female, right? I wonder if they would have that many athletes. Like I, I mean, again, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I would, I'm just thinking I'm, through your. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I understand. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I think this is, this is actually one of the reasons, this entire conversation is actually one of the reasons why worldview is actually so important. Mm -hmm. Because you, it has real world implications. Yeah, it has real world implications. Exactly right. Because you guys are both bringing up, I think, very relevant points to the idea of college sports, to legality, to gender identity in an American culture. All those kind of things are super important. So how do we now see that through a Christian worldview becomes the opportunity, becomes the conversation. And, and that's one of the reasons why this this conversation the conversational worldview per se is 
is something that I love so much mm-hmm. because because of the real world application. This is not something that you sit in an ivory tower and talk about and everybody pats themselves on the back. This is man, now I got to go to the grocery store and what do I do about this? Mm-hmm. You know, and there 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 are some real world implications to every part of that. Changing gears a little on the world view. One one of the things my wife and I were talking about uh, as we are engaging in our local church and thankful that we are. Um, you know, we we're talking about discipleship and how that one of the challenges, but opportunities for for a local church is you're dealing with specifically with believers. You're dealing with many believers coming coming from a lot of different backgrounds and at different stages in their sanctification. So one of the things that when we're talking about worldview from a Christian perspective, we have to remember that many of us, including the three of us at this table, we have baggage from our previous before Christ days that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like we just, oh, now we're a believer. We automatically have a Christian worldview in everything and all things, you right. know. Yeah. And, it, and, you know, that's because, you know, sometimes when we're having these conversations, I think we, 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 we put things in neat little buckets. Like, hey, here's the Christian worldview and here's this worldview. But w- the reality is, is that what happens most of the time is you've got something from each little, you got something from all these different buckets and you know, sure. you're playing those things out. So, yeah. And I think, and that goes back to, I think the point that you were talking about, about discipleship, that's why discipleship is so important is, is because we do, everybody does come with their own, with their own experiences, with their own. And that is going to color. It's going to change how we view the world a little bit. We need to just make sure that, and this is one of the things I think actually is interesting about Christianity is it does provide for a great deal of flexibility, but there are some core assets that need to stay in place like if you look you go all the way across the board yeah if you look through like the book of acts when the gentile like around 15 16 mm-hmm. when you have the gentiles really in numbers starting to come into the church and right. they were dealing with cultural issues that the jews had and they had mm-hmm. i can't remember the name of the council it's 15 or 16 i believe but they have a council because they're trying to figure out how to deal with worldview type of questions because hey, should they eat this food sacrificed to idols and so forth like that? It's pretty fascinating because, you know, Chris made the point earlier that through the ages, the the faith stays the same. That's right. Mm-hmm. And through the ages, humanity stays the same. We all, we're all always dealing with this stuff, you know, trying to figure out what to do. But uh, I just think it's a fascinating uh, part to think that, you know, we can look back to the church in, in the biblical days and we can think, man, they probably had it all together. No, they didn't. They were, they were like trying to figure this stuff out, too. Yeah. And so, you know, as we move forward into the 21st century with uh, the, the complexity that we face, realize that there's nothing new under the sun. And we're, we, you know, God's grace is sufficient and we'll, we'll get there. So yeah. um, <clears throat> another just another one of those uh, worldview uh, things. Again, I'm pointing back to Moeller. Uh, he points to quite a bit as we think back to like Nazi Germany and they had this idea of, you know, life, uh, 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 what is it? Life, um, uh, not capable of life, but li- life deserving of life. Uh, and which, and so that was their, that was their, their, their worldview in which they, they saw the world, which is what led them right to the Holocaust and, and all of those. Her- Unfortunately, there's things. a lot of that that has stayed. Yeah. And, and, yeah. <clears throat> and so the, you know, the, I mean, think about right now, uh, I mean, I was listening to a conversation last week, uh, about down syndrome. Oh, right? I knew, uh, oh, I knew man. this where we were going. Yeah. yeah. And, and how, uh, you know, the, you know, what, what we're being told is it won't be long before, you know, there, there won't be any. Uh, any children, you know, with with Down syndrome, or people, we should say, right, with Down syndrome, because they've they've, uh, you know, the, the vast majority of, of individuals who uh, find out, right, that they're having a child with Down syndrome choose, unfortunately, to, you know, abort the child. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and of course, you know, now you take that and you, you, you widen it out. What does that mean moving forward? Well, I want this trait. I don't want that trait. You know, I prefer yeah, it, it like becomes, this it becomes that. a eugenics conversation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. That's what mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. But see, that's just what, I mean, if we, if we play that scenario yeah, out yeah. and then we talk about the, what's true for you, true for me, they don't, those two things cannot coexist. Mm-hmm. They cannot, if you put those on the table and try to, f- and try to have those fight out because why? Well, Who's to say that maybe we've had it backwards this whole time that actually we've been, you know, Down syndrome people of they're actually the higher species, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, the point is, is like we are we are we, it's always a self-defeating thing when you start to make when you start to make those, those individual. Yeah, yeah, those individual claims. And you know, the, the one with Down syndrome, I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, thankfully, at least we've seen some people in the media. Um, you know, I think Iceland a couple months ago was they put out. um they put out a uh, you know report that that same verbiage that you used, Chris, yeah. about hey soon we will, you know, and they put this like this spin on it like that was a positive mm-hmm. thing. And thankfully, there's some people in the media that said, well, what this means is yeah. is that you are aborting, you yeah. know, you're just aborting. Yeah, everything. that's yeah. it. And um, so that's man, that's a horrible that, that one. That one really bothers me. And mm-hmm. and um, hopefully, as a Christian, the way we can look at these things is this: is that every person is made in the image of God Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. every person is because of that is worthy of dignity, respect, worthy of life. And so that, I think that's kind of our answer to that. Yeah. And that's the, that's the word I was looking for. Life worthy uh, of life is the, uh, is the way that that's translated from Mm -hmm. the German. What, how did they put it? Life worthy of life. Life worthy of life. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they would meaning, meaning there's some life that's not not, worthy of life. And for those, uh, they would, Right, and that bumps in. back into into the question: Is who adjudicates that? Right. Who, who says mm-hmm. who is worthy of life and who yep. isn't? Yep. And ultimately, that's where relativism really, I think, in many ways, falls apart. It's because anytime what for from a relativistic perspective, if what I believe is true comes into conflict with what somebody else believes is true, there's got to be some way of measuring who is right and who is wrong. Especially mm-hmm. because in conflict, somebody has to say somebody has to make the call, right? It, you can see that in legal realms. You can see it in personal realms. You can see that in family. You can even see it in family issues. The question is, who gets to say what? And then at some point, you have to appeal to a higher authority. You just don't know. You, we just what don't is know that? How. What, yeah, yeah, what, what is that what authority that we're going to use? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, and that's just one st- example of yeah, how worldview yeah. impacts everything yeah. that we do. It's yep. not so even when you like start pulling that one thread, mm-hmm. you better watch out. That whole blanket's mm-hmm. going to fall apart. Correct. Yep. Um, all right. Well, with uh, with that being said, I don't. Uh, anything else you wanted to mention regarding well, worldview or? Well, let's let's kind of close on this. So let's let's how so we're people in exile, right? And we we have this conversation about worldview this morning. Great. What what are some things that you guys think? And I'll include myself in this. That as followers of Christ, we should be doing, growing, learning, participating in, that will help us be the instruments and the examples that God has us to be in the society we find ourselves now. Well, I, I'll, I'll just start real quick. So I, I think 12, uh, Romans 12, 2, right? Uh, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. And the fact is our default setting, right, will be to be conformed to the patterns of this world, to be conformed to what we see uh, around us, to be conformed to what is celebrated uh, around us. And so 
Um, I would start there. Do not be conformed to the patterns of the world, but be transformed, right, by the renewing of our mind. So as, as people in exile, as Christians uh, here in 2020 or, or, or you know, for, for all time for that matter, uh, we have to be uh, uh, daily in the word, daily in, uh, in the scripture so we know uh, what it is that God says, right, about uh, himself, uh, what God says about us, what God says about the world around us, what God says about our duties uh, in this world around us. And by uh, and every single day, right, of, of filling ourselves with that, we are going to be renewed uh, day by day. And it's going to show us, right, when, when, when it says do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, it's going to just show us how different and distinct the patterns of this world are to what he's called us to, even in the Beatitudes and what we're looking in that completely different, you know, uh, uh, worldview that, that we've been we've been talking through. Oh, that's great. One of the challenges, too, is is that, it, it, and that's 100% true. I think the, the struggle is, uh, we've been reading uh, a book with our college students at Northcliffe called Total Truth by Nancy Piercy. Uh, and it's a I have that book. It's a great book. Yeah. It's a great book. Yeah. It's a great book. It's on developing worldview. It's on, on building I think Christian it was a worldview. textbook of mine. Uh, it probably was. Uh, <laughs> you, said, uh, you went to Liberty, so there's a good chance. Yeah. Uh, she, she has a deep Liberty connection, I think, as well. Um, uh, anyway, but she writes in this book, uh, Christians often live in two separate worlds, commuting between the private world of family and church, uh, where they can express their faith freely in the public world where religious expectation, uh, excuse me, religious, religious expression is firmly suppressed. Many of us don't even know what it means to have a Christian perspective on our work. Oh, we know that being a Christian means being ethical on the job. Uh, or no, no lying, no cheating, uh, but work itself is typically defined in secular terms as bringing home a paycheck, climbing the career ladder, or building professional reputation. And I think in some ways, Nancy Piercy has probably oversimplified that for the sake of the book, but at the same time, I think there really is a, a struggle for, for some of us who, working in secular fields, have not taken the time to think meaningfully through, you know, uh, I am a plumber. What does that mean as a Christian? Does it mean just not ripping off my clients, or is there maybe something more to what it means to be a Christian plumber than just being ethical about the way I do my pricing? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah I, I mean, w w I'll just kind of piggyback off of that. Um, I've, I've, we're going through these, these questionnaires. We're, we're, we're in, the, in the process at Northcliffe of putting in elders, right? Uh, we're, we're, we're changing our governance structure a bit. Uh, in doing so, we are in the process of finding who those elders are going to be, right? Uh, and one of the questions that, that is listed in that questionnaire uh, is how do you leverage well, before I say that, we have both full-time ministers, full-time elders, right? Those who are on staff, and we have also lay elders, those who are doing some other type of job, so maybe in the secular world. And the question is, how do you leverage, right, your occupation? That's right. How do you leverage your occupation for the gospel? How do you leverage that? And specifically, you know, in connection with, you know, maybe how you might serve as an elder. But the reason I bring that up, not that everyone out there will one day be an elder, although, you know, from, from uh, well, anyhow, well, uh, the, the point is uh, that all of us should be leaning into that idea. How mm -hmm. is it, whether, whether I'm a plumber uh, or, or whatever, whatever it is that I'm doing, uh, even, if, even if I'm in school as a student, right, yeah. uh, uh, how can I be leveraging uh, my time here in, in school uh, for, uh, for the gospel? So, 
And I think we always need to be asking ourselves that question. Mm-hmm. And it's not simply if you're if it's a job, I'm, I'm bringing home a paycheck or, you know, it's it's a nine to five. And, man, I can't wait for the weekend. Uh, no, no, no. It, you know, you're, you're, you're in that position. You're meeting with individuals. You know, maybe in, in, the, in, the, in the example of a plumber, you're going to be in people's houses. Right. You're going to have opportunities sure. to have have a good lengthy discussion while you're there. Uh, leverage it. Leverage leverage that time for the gospel. Right. Uh, God has put you there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so use that time uh, wisely. Uh, be intentional. Think through, hey, when I get to here, right, how can I turn these things into uh, these, you know, good gospel conversations? Um, so, I, you know, I think those are a few of the ways that, that we can, as people in exile, uh, do those kind of things. Yeah, I got one more and then uh, and then I'll be done. Um, this coming of preview attraction, pre, uh, previewing coming attractions, we'll, we'll be looking at hopefully a book called Free to Believe by Luke Goodridge. I'll go ahead and kind of throw that out there. Phenomenal book. Uh, one of the things that uh, this gentleman writes about is how we as believers have to understand that sometimes the best way that we, specifically from a worldview perspective, and specifically leverage our, the, 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 the biblical uh, worldview in a, in, a, in a culture that does not take that, is patiently suffer through some of the challenges that those things mean. Sure. And, and that might not sound very encouraging to you and I, uh, but from the long range of things, it's it's a wonderful thing. As an example, look at look at the life of uh, Daniel and how he he endured. And it doesn't mean that you. When I say patiently suffer, I'm not always referring to the you know the the worst of the scenarios of you know martyrdom and all those types of things. But there is this you know okay, I am going to be God's instrument, God's light, and I'm going to stick to this standard of whatever we're talking about and. Come what may, I'm not going to go from that. And what Luke really points out is that when you have individuals, both men and women, take that kind of long-term perspective, what you'll see is maybe some suffering in the moment for them. They may Mm -hmm. lose a job. They may, you know, go through some hard days, and we don't deny those. But what you can see is the longevity of that is that becomes like a benchmark, not only for the church, but also for society to say, wait a second. And one example he gives, so Daniel, we all know from the Bible for those of us who study, but one of them is the Quakers. And I didn't know the Quakers' history in our country and how yeah. they, as an example, felt so strongly about not participating in war. And they suffered highly for that at the beginning oh, of yeah. our country. But because of them, all of us in this, you know, in our culture today are enjoying the freedoms that these individuals gave us because of their suffering. And so. It gave me a new perspective, and so mm-hmm. take that as an example of, say, the plumber, you know? Yeah. Okay, I don't know what that scenario may be for this individual, but you may have to go through a challenging season, and you don't know how that challenging season may bring relief and freedom for other people and may bring the gospel. So I would just add that to the mm-hmm. mix. So The, the, the last thing in, well, in <clears throat> with this is uh, it, it's the end of November right now, right? Uh, we're, mo- we're moving into... Um, uh, the Christmas season, right? Uh, and uh, I think one of the ways that we can intentionally uh, uh, lean into the gospel during this time is, again, it, it's become very cliche. Uh, don't forget the what? Reason, right? For the season. Right? <laughs> super, super cliche. Uh, uh, but 
uh, one of the ways that we can do this, let's say as, 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 a, as a family, right? Uh, you can take the ad, this period of Advent that, that's coming up, uh, celebrating the, 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 the first coming of Christ. Advent uh, kicks off November 29th for everybody, not keeping out the calendars. And so you can, you, can, you can start right there. Hey, normally, you know, we just do, you know, the holiday season. And as, as crazy as it, may, as it may come, as crazy as it may go, as quickly as it comes and goes, uh, but we don't take any real time to think through exactly what this season really mm. represents and means uh so for for, for me what, what what for our family what we're doing this it's a book, new book by uh, david mathis called uh the christmas uh we didn't expect the christmas we didn't expect and it goes through every day right it has a a, a, a section uh in there that you can read that uh, leads up to right uh the mm -hmm. uh the, the mm -hmm. initial coming of christ and christmas day so that's one of the things the all generally the all generally, uh, the generally um uh, do some kind of a, an advent or devotional, yeah. you know, guide during uh, Christmas. Yeah, season. Northcliff provided with the kids. They provide a really cool one. Yeah, our, our kids one did that. Uh, Aaron Mello dug that up for yeah. us. They did a great job. Uh, it actually came from Lifeway. It's, it's really good. It's look. Um, but we're yes, gonna be doing we that do. as well. So, yeah. Yeah. but we're also doing um, uh, "Come Let Us Adore Him" by okay. Paul David Tripp. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna we be did that one. through that together as a family too. It's a good. Yeah. I we actually did it last year too. Yeah, yeah. we do that. We did the, we did that one last year, and then we give out candy. The, like, to the kids yeah. after after every night yeah always, okay we have bribery got okay good check well it's awesome they love it they come around like oh advent yeah. and it's like you talk about the good things and then yeah. you're like yep. hey here's your little piece of chocolate yeah like yeah that's right bonus so anyhow that's uh that's the uh again what, what that helps us for from a worldview perspective is to remember that why we're doing what we're doing why we're being able to celebrate what we're being able to celebrate uh, is because of what uh, christ did for us uh, on the cross so again a really really good uh, reminder during this this hustle and bustle of the christmas season yeah. to kind of stop slow down mm -hmm. a little bit and and remember so um uh, andrew you gonna go ahead and close in word of prayer jesus we come to you today thanking you for this season and what it does mean and lord as we are trying to uh, be conformed to your image and not be uh, conformed to the patterns of this world lord help us to uh, seek out ways and means that you've provided through your word through fellowship through uh, the studying to show ourselves approved that would enable us to be good examples uh, to the culture around us of what it means to to follow you and to follow your absolute truth. And Lord, I pray for um, my brothers and sisters in Christ who may hear this today that are challenged um, in their circumstance because of their worldview coming in conflict of maybe their employment or their social standing or whatever it may be. Lord, I just pray, God, you give them grace, you give them mercy, and you give them wisdom and discernment so they would follow you. And Lord, I pray for maybe those that don't believe the way that we do, that God, not only that we would have a, a, a very cordial interaction, but Father, I pray that they would see our good works, and Lord, they would give glory and praise to you. And Lord, we love you, and we thank you that we've been able to have this time together. And we pray these things in your holy name. Thanks, guys. As always, thank you for listening to People in Exile. For more information, visit the website, peopleinexile.com, and make sure to follow us on Facebook. Until next time, keep praying and seeking the welfare of your city.